Honey, I blew up the business. Welcome to the podcast. We've got Spencer Gallagher in the house. Nice to see you, Spencer. Fantastic to see you. Thank you for having me on the show today. Oh, I'm, I'm very excited. I legitimately am very excited to talk to Spencer today. Um, Spencer and I have known each other for years, and I can't remember how we've known each other. Just legends in the scene, I think. That's how we know each other. Do you want me to share when we first met? Yeah. It was in Austin, Texas. You were dressed in a wrestling outfit. And I was in the UK British house. We, you didn't know me, and I didn't know you at that stage. But I later learned that it was you. Yeah, I knew that. I knew it was something where I was probably doing something ridiculous. There is a backstory to this, by the way, people who aren't aware of this thing. If you go to thetechoff.com, all will be explained. Uh, but yeah, I did end up in in Austin, Texas, dressed as a wrestler. That is true. Well, yeah, there you go. At least you can remember. It was a bit of a blur that trip for me. <laughs> but but we we have then saw each other like ships in the night in the scene, we're nodding at each other through private members clubs in central London. But but uh, Spencer is, I would say, and I'm going to say this, you, he wouldn't say this, he's too humble, but he is a legend in the creative digital advertising agency game, which is the world I've been broadly in since uh, the late 90s, again, like Spencer. But he's a multiple-time entrepreneur since the late 90s. But also, and his his words, mentor, non-exec, chairman, consultant, and advisor. And he runs Europe's leading corporate advisory and growth consultancy for agencies called Cactus and has been doing that for over 10 years. And he's, check this out, co-created 36 millionaires over the last six years. How about that? It's, it's about to go up to over 40 as well, which is really exciting. That's well, what a, what something to put on your CV. That's incredible. Incredible. And, and, he's the, and so he's taken a lot of this wisdom that's been proven to work and it's worked for him and it's worked for others um, to be the author of an Amazon number one best-selling book, Agency Nomics, which I'm now going to wave at him because I've got a copy on the screen and it's full of post-it notes because it's legitimately really, really good. And I'm legitimately using a lot of his principles in my business, like um, like right now. Uh, and he's a podcaster, even vlogger, is that what you call it? A video podcaster. Yep. Uh, also to Agency Phonics. Uh, available on all good platforms and YouTube. Um, so this guy is a. You know, we've got going to get a peek into the wisdom and mind of a dude who's worked with thousands, literally thousands, of the most innovative and creative entrepreneurs in the world, and he's helped them be more innovative, more creative, and empower them to move to the next level. So I'm super excited. Welcome uh, and all that good stuff. Oh, it, there's a fantastic introduction. Um, I'm humbled to see that book with all those amazing stickies and post-it notes popping out the side. I think whenever I meet someone that's got a copy of our book and has those notes, I know that what we created is, is you know, something useful, right? And so I'm, I'm pleased you're getting value from it. Well, it's, it's really good. I, I have to remember, so I'm going to remind, so the company I'm using, applying this to is my company, the tech department, which is bringing you this podcast. Uh, this is the company, by the way. So whilst I was in Austin, Texas, larking about just as a wrestler, we were about to fall off a cliff and break the business. That, like, that's literally what happened next, basically, in 2017. Um, so <laughs> it was kind it's of... funny because I always admired you for that because, you know, when you... When you build, uh, and, and you know, I think my business was probably more closer to yours actually than some of the agencies I work with today. But you know, building some kind of notoriety and fame is an important part of an agency journey. And you know, I wouldn't have known you if you hadn't have created that piece of marketing. And I know you would have met hundreds of people through it and made form friendships. And and so I actually was, I was one day when I saw that I was like. I was kind of a little bit envious because I thought it was a genius piece of marketing. And and uh, although now I know that, well, what you learn in life is that there's always a backstory for everyone. Everyone has a struggle in the background. There's not always, you know, what you see isn't always yeah, right. It's, so. it's, it's, it's interesting looking back. And thank you for that feedback because it's, 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 it's a funny, it's 2017. So the premise of the podcast was I blew up the business in 2017. And 2017 was a funny time because I went from the sort of highest heights of literally being invited, invited by the British government to bring an event that we created in London called The Tech Off. Now, The Tech Off, for those that don't know, it was, uh, imagine TED Talks, meets WWE wrestling, right? That's absolutely genius. It was insane. We literally had wrestlers on stage. And if you went over your five minutes as a speaker, you literally got thrown off stage. Like it was like a a throwdown. And we had like 600 people in the nightclub in in Shoreditch in East London. And anyway, somehow we got invited to take it to the, the, the conference called South by Southwest. And we were hosting various events 
uh, Great Britain House, the sort of centre of post-Brexit British digital presence, and we were doing this thing. So, yeah, I've got to tell you, it was pretty amazing for a network and, and, and fame point of view. But thank you. And so that was so we turned it around though. So the, what I was going to say is the, the whole point of this podcast, and, and Spencer shares this mission, is helping other people. So if you like it, please share it. But we're going to get into it now uh, because Spencer, uh, he has a, an illustrious career. I've just listed all his good bits. But I'm going to go back in time now to the late 90s. And before Spencer embarked on his journey of setting up an agency, he, he was made redundant, not once, but twice in a very short period of time. And so it's easy to, you know, when one's been in, 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 in business for a long time and you've got loads of dongs and awards and things, but right then you were a young dude who just got knocked on the nose twice. I'm interested in what, how, what were you feeling that second time? What was, what was going on in your heart and, and head? It's a really great question. And I would say that my life generally, you know, from leaving home at sort of 15, 16 and starting work at 16 had, had been quite unlucky, you know, from the time my, parent, my parents nearly killed me as a baby. And um, I fell out of a moving car twice, you know, they got divorced. I, you know, I, I failed school miserably. I've got a school report in front of me now, which keeps me uh, sane every day to remind me how, you know, how tough the start was. But but that stage was really difficult because I actually went through three jobs in one year and I got made redundant twice. And the second time I just got engaged to my wife and it was Christmas. So I was basically get, got made redundant three weeks before Christmas and I've just got engaged to my wife. And, you know, that wasn't was I was feeling pretty low because I think I'd lost a lot of confidence because I was I started my career in retail. I moved into selling you know, within retail, so working more kind of behind the scenes, creating, uh, helping people who sell into retail. And, you know, as someone who was doing selling, getting fired from jobs for not selling. And because what it, I learned was that my bosses were too impatient. It was like six months and they were, you know, and I, I now know it takes time, especially in B2B selling. It takes, a, it's a long sales cycle. And so, um, yeah, I was pretty low. I'd lost all my confidence um, in my spare time. I used to, I used to build computers and I learned to build websites and, um, and I, you know, I, I kind of like just started to look at what else could I do in life really. And, and, it, but it was a very, very difficult time. And, and I tell you what, what was really significant about that time was it felt like this might sound a bit weird, but it just felt like I was on the wrong path and the universe was saying, you're on the wrong path or you're doing the wrong thing. And it was just like, we're going to keep making you lose jobs until you take control of your destiny. Mm. Um, but I only had four and a half thousand pounds was my last paycheck. It was like an ex year tax-free two month salary. And I decided to take that four and a half thousand pounds and, and, and try and start a business to build websites. Mm. Um, my mum had a purple shed in her back garden, which was about a five minute walk. I'd lost my company car. I had no car. So I used to walk to her house a mile and I, and I yeah, started to build, build websites from that shed. Really? Bloody hell. Well, so, 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 so this is a real moment in time. So literally you've been, well, you've been falling out of cars as a baby and, and, <laughs> and I, you know, literally knocking your head. And then, and then the universe has given you these repeated knocks on the head, right? And, and your thick skull is not perhaps listening the first time, the second time. And then the third time you've kind of, you've been given the gift of freedom, and a check. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not a religious person, but I love the story. Um, uh, I, I would say, describe myself more as a spiritual religious person, but there's a, there's, a, there's a story, I don't know if you've ever heard it before, and there's a, there's a guy drowning at sea, and a boat comes along, and the boat throws, gives him the life raft. He says, take the life raft, take the life raft. And the, and the guy goes, no, no, God will save me. And then the boat goes away, and a second boat comes along, and uh, the guy goes, take the, take, take the, you know, take the life raft, take the life raft. He's no, 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 God will save me. And he goes off, and then the third boat comes along, and he goes, quick, 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 take the life raft. And the guy goes, no, 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 God will save me. And he's drowning, drowning, and suddenly he drowns and dies. He goes up to heaven, and God says to him, He says to God, Why didn't you save me? He said, I think I sent three boats with, with life rafts to support you. <laughs> You know, and it sounds stupid, but sometimes in life we miss the things that are right in front of us, you know, and I feel like sometimes these these opportunities and things come up. And I'm always reminded sometimes when I see, you know, 
coincidences happen on a regular basis that maybe I should. And in this case, like I always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur, always had a feeling I would be one, but it took me to lose three jobs really to get that slap in the face to go, I now need to do something about taking control of my destiny in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's interesting. And I think that there is something to that serendipitous things and, and things cropping up and slapping yeah. in the face. And I mean, I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm living that really, because this is I needed that business collapse in 2017 because I needed to crack through my dumb, thick, egoic mind yeah. to get to the good bit. So to, on this particular point, so you're, you're here and you're kind of, I don't know, you're walking down the road to your mum's uh, purple shed eroding through your, your four and a half grand uh, and, and you've got a, a plan because you're into technology and computers and websites and you're going to start off. And so, what was, so what was the thing? So this kind of almost feels like an intuition that got you to do entrepreneurship. Right? What, what, what was going on in that first few, few days and weeks as you were starting off? Well, you know, it's, it's funny, but lots of things just started to fall in place and it felt, you know, again, use that word serendipity. I use it a lot because... Um, I worked out that I had, I could live for 1500 pounds a month for three months. And so, um, I, my, I, my wife or my now wife, she stayed with me despite uh, me losing my job. She actually had her own business and she had said, I said to her, I'm going to start a company. And she said, you must be mental. Are you sure? <laughs> Do you know how hard it is? So that was the first bit of support I got. And then, and then I worked out, yeah, £1,500 a month for three months. Could I earn £1,500 in month four? And if I could, then I've got a business. And, and a few things happened through those first few months. Someone had you know, said I, the word had got around through my fat friends and family that I was building websites. So I got a few leads come in. But on the eve of the third month, and it's actually quite, quite a, a, a coincidence again that this on Tuesday night, um, my wife, wife and I went to Chinese New Year back in the same Chinese that, this, that we went to three months into the business. And I said to her, look, it's been three months. I've not earned £1,500. In fact, I had earned £1,500, but I knew I wouldn't earn another £1,500 in just four weeks. So I said, I'm going to go back. I'm going to close down the business. So even though I just started it, I was three months in and already shutting it down because it was failing. And what had happened was, strangely, was about sort of three or four weeks into the business, someone had rung me up and said to me um, that he'd lost his job. I don't know if you remember around that kind of end of the 90s, a lot of people in telecommunications lost their jobs. He worked for Cellnet, if you remember those guys. And mm. he said, I can't get my email to work, Spencer, and I can't send my CV in to get a job. Could you help me? So I walked around to his house a couple of miles. I fixed his email for him so he could send his CV off. He tried to pay me. I was like, you're out of work. He said, you're starting a business. I went, I know, but come on, you know. And I went back. And then when I walked back in the three months and one day, okay, uh, to the business, the phone rang. And the phone didn't ring much in the early days of the business. I picked the phone up and the phone call was from Ray. Ray said, um, you may remember you know, three, just under three months ago, you helped me fix my email. I sent the CV in that day. I got the job and I'm now the marketing director of a company. And I'd like to give you a 5,000 pound project. Hmm. The day I went in to shut down my business, I won a 5,000 pound deal. And that's really how the business got off the ground. We've, we've touched on two topics here. I think are very deep and actually quite important. Uh, one is the serendipity and, and, and sort of trusting the, the, the intuition around what the universe is telling you. Secondly is reciprocity. Yeah. yeah. Now, what you did was you did a good thing for a guy who needed that at that moment, really needed it, right? And you did that thing, and you could have charged him some money, and you needed that cash, but you you gave you paid it forward, and then it paid back. Yeah, I think there's a third lesson as well, which is I've read a book, Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, when I was younger, and he said that when he surveyed the most famous entrepreneurs in the world of that time, bear in mind this book was written 100 years ago, and it included Rockefeller and, and, the, the, and Ford, they'd all said that their biggest success had come one step beyond the point of failure. Uh, he said, like, of this, the 500, entre uh, 500 entrepreneurs that he'd interviewed. And weirdly, when that happened that day, I thought, well, that's the same as here. One step beyond the point of failure, something happens. And so whilst there's always a challenge around willful blindness, you know, knowing that if your business isn't working, is it is it failing because it's bad or is it failing because it's just a question of timing? You know, there's so I always learned after that that when things were tough, I would hold my head high and I would just keep persevering, 
you know, maybe like that young footballer who wants to be a footballer or a young singer wants to be a singer, I would just have that grit and determination and resilience to try and, as long as I wasn't, you know, being, again, willful blindness and being naive to what I was trying to do, um, I learned to to not drop my head when things were tough. Mm. That book is, yeah, like 100 years old. It's the 1930s. It, it was published. Yeah, it was written after the last depression or at the end of the last depression. It was, I think it was, he did, he did the research in the 1920s and then it was yeah. in the 1930s it was published. And what's interesting about it, when you read it now, coming out of a pandemic and coming out of, I read it um, uh, maybe five, four or five years ago, and I would highly recommend it. It's great because a lot of the, the lessons from, it's the same stuff. It's the same stuff. <laughs> it's the same stuff. <laughs> I mean, it's literally, it's different, you know, media, but it's basically, he said, in the, out of the Great Depression, there's a need for all this new stuff, businesses, services, media, and that's the opportunity. But he talks, at this point about perseverance is, is a key part of his mind. Nowadays, it would be called a mindset book, that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is, an integrated mindset book. But the point I think was interesting is here is of, of that one step beyond the point of failure. So actually leaning into it and trusting that it's going to work out. So could you speak on that? I was lucky to learn that early on, I think, because if I had that later on, I maybe it would have hurt, but, you know. It's a, it's, that's a really interesting point. So you're kind of, so you think it's going to fail. You keep your head hold high and something came out of the woodwork. And how, how is, so what, what, how did that pan out then in the, the, the coming sort of uh, well, okay. months? I mean, you know, the, the business, um, you know, it. I started off building websites for like, um, you know, Indian restaurants and um, and uh, uh, I'd like hire shops and you know, really small uh, projects and 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 then slowly, you know, um, it started to pick up. And then, uh, in fact, I always like to tell this story. Actually, um, when I got I got married in the year two thousand, mainly because it'd be easy for me to work out how many years I've been married. Um, <laughs> but at my wedding. Uh, my father-in-law stood up and he did a talk. And now, bear in mind, I've been in business for one year at that stage. And he said to everyone, um, so my son-in-law is in the internet business. And the whole room laughed out loud. Now, I really? think people don't remember. You do, because you had a business back then. But the mm. internet was a bit like cryptocurrency and NFTs back then. It was a fad, right? And so... You know, and so I started a business probably in the worst possible time because one year later, well, we had a dot-com crash and everyone hated the internet. It was this big, you know, negativity mm. around it all. So I then had to struggle effectively with a recession in the space I was working in after one year. But I think I was small enough to be able to tick over, you know, and I, I you know, I think I had one employee at that stage and I grew to six. But um over the next eight years, you know, we grew significantly. Like we, you know, became a Deloitte Tech Fast 50, but I could have gone out of business. So, so the headline story is I'm a tech, a Deloitte Tech Fast 50 growth business. I'm working with Liverpool Football Club, Tottenham Hotspur. I brought the NFL to Europe and, you know, put Andy Murray on Twitter. But underneath the business, I could have gone out of business eight times. You know, that's <laughs> the reality of it. But, and that's, you know, I think what I've, what I've learned to get frustrated about is that too many people, you know, promote the top level. I know I appreciate it's why the podcast is what it is, yeah, but, sure. but I'm really happy to share about the tough times because that's, you know, the most important part. But what's interesting is, is and I think this is a natural tendency is you look at the headlines and even frankly, I mean, this is funny because even I, I find now that I talk openly about the things that have gone wrong, but because I do that, people think I'm bulletproof, Right. So, so it's like it's weird. The fact of putting on a podcast or a stage or a talk or a blog or whatever makes other people perceive you as more strong than you actually feel. So, so now one of the interesting things about Spencer is he has this sort of macro view, which we're going to get onto in, a little bit later. But I'm interested to sort of say, so you said that there was you could have gone under eight times, right? Yeah. So, so say okay between let's say 2000 when you were married, when everyone's laughing yeah. at you, ridiculous business you've got, and then maybe sort of eight years later when you've had this journey, but you've had yeah, 2008, yes. Yeah, 2008. So it's, it's before you kind of, that's before the exit, I believe it. Yes, and yeah. So you've got, you haven't quite exited yet. You're in the middle of it. And it's like, so what were the, the, those eight times, what were the patterns that you saw in that period that were kind of tripping you up? Okay. So um, the first, well, it's interesting because now I know how to prevent any agency going out of business because of all these mistakes. So it is, and like during COVID was, you know, I think it was really, really useful to learn these lessons. I think the first mistake I made was was building you know building a team too quickly and not having the th thinking that you build a team then you find the sales 
Yeah, you always have to create demand before supply. And a lot of agency owners, because we are creatives, you know, we're engineers, we tend to try and focus on building the product and the service first, or the service mainly, you know, we're not product businesses typically. And then we try and find the demand. And actually the reality is, is that if you can find you know, surplus demand for what you're doing first and then build a team, you won't have a problem. So as a result of that, I think the first time I nearly went under, I actually put the business up for sale. I got to eight people. I, I think I just made my brother-in-law redundant and somebody else to reduce down to six. I wasn't paying myself, hadn't paid myself for three months. Uh, put the business up for sale. We used to put business up for sale in the Sunday Telegraph. Uh, and it was, or Sunday Times even. And it was, I put the business up for sale for £100,000. Uh, I just had enough. I found it too hard. It's, agencies are tough business. All businesses are tough in the first four years. That's why I think it's 75% of them fail. And so the first lesson was making sure you don't build the team too quickly, that you always recruit behind the sales curve. That's the first one. You want some more? Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the way you, you protect that is you, um, you know, you, you make sure that your wage bill is always a certain percentage of your revenue. Um, the second one was cash flow. You have to pay the wages every 30 days, but your clients will pay you somewhere between 30 and 90 days. And so you as you grow, you don't necessarily always store up lots of cash. And the second lesson was to realize that Having debt is not a bad thing. I always thought having debt was, was a bad thing, like it meant I had a bad business. But borrowing responsibly is a good thing. And making sure that I had an overdraft so when a client paid me late, I could pay the wages because there were months when I couldn't pay the wages. I'd have to write checks out to give myself another three days, which wasn't make, didn't make me popular with the team um, rather than bank transfers. And, you know, so the next thing really was, was, the ca- was the cash flow management. And then trying to anticipate as I grew, in fact, you know, my business partner, a, who's an FD, has a really great stat around, you know, if you keep growing at a certain rate each year and you have a certain, you will always run out of cash. And I think, you know, I've been with so many big businesses that, that eventually run out of cash. Mm-hmm. Then that was the, the next big lesson really was cash flow. I guess the other thing was um, that, that really hit us was the, what we call the eggs in one basket. So you win one big client and that client dominates your business. And then one day that big client you think is never going to leave you, they leave you. And when they leave you, because you've got sunken cost fallacy, because you've got a great team, it's taking you a long time to recruit them because you're in a niche area or a niche service. You don't want to cut your workforce back in line with the new revenue. You hold on to the workforce because you've got a bit of cash in the bank. Maybe you can fund the losses and you believe that you can trade out. And the reality is, is nine times out of 10, an agency can't, can't trade out of that situation. You know, you, unfortunately, you have to cost cut. So I had to restructure my business on at least three, three occasions where I had to be redundant to, even though I lost good people at time, because I had to bring the wage cost back into line with the revenue. But the more I diversified my client base, the less that risk became. And the more, when a client left, I, then I might lose some profit, but I didn't have to lose people. And so, so they're mm. probably, I guess, some of the, the, heart, the, the sort of high-level things. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and would there be a very specific example of, of that time? Because this is these lessons are really fantastic. Yeah. And I'm making notes here because I, I think it's good, good for me to keep top of mind. It's free consultancy but, as well, Dan. Yeah, that's why I'm still using <laughs> on here, mate. Get some bloody free consultancy. Like, so, so this is really good. But I'm curious, like, your, is there a particular example, like, looking back, where you go, that was the sweet spot where it was the like really you were on the edge like it was out of all of them it was the one where it was the sweetest of like oh, like the worst moment oh, was there worse yeah I think there, I mean, look, there was a few like that we had I mean the first one was that time when I put the business up for sale I nearly sold the business and walked away um, the second time would have been the time when the I, I went back to the bank and asked them to increase my overdraft and they wouldn't increase it anymore and, and that just meant that the business would probably close down because I didn't have the cash flow to pay the wages at a much larger size. On that particular moment then, so the business, what sort of size was the business at that point then? At that point, we were about 2 million and I had like about 200,000, 200,000 equity in my house. And, um, you know, they, they would only lend me, they would only do secured lending against the house. And it was, um, I think it was like one, 
150 was the maximum they would lend me, but I needed like facilities of 2250 to be able to operate because at 2 million, you, you need often around sort of one month's revenue, somewhere between that and the wage bill to operate. And so, yeah, I just, you just have enough cash flow to operate the business. I would have had to really. You were like on a bit of it. There's this gap then of cash flow gap. So you've yeah. gone on many levels. You've got these very. I, mean, I never had it. I want to be really clear about this because yeah. I do go into agencies now. Some of them have got really good cash reserves. And the reality is a good business actually doesn't need more than six to eight weeks cash flow. Yeah. Because actually, you know, you should be able to operate. And in fact, you'll probably operate better if you work within that framework. But I never had cash. When I, my business grew, it was growing so fast, really, at times that, you know, I was recruiting. As soon as I won the deal, I was recruiting people and I never really saw the cash. I kept saying to my non exec at the time, can we just stop growing? Can I just like bank some cash? And it was like, no, just got to keep growing. And and it was good advice actually with hindsight because I didn't then spend 20 years. Because the problem is, the, you know, the longer you are in business, the more other things that can go wrong, you know? So sometimes you have to keep focused on that journey. So yeah, what other specific, I had a guy who, um, at one point, Dan, who I've made redundant because he, he just trying to kept trying to turn all my customers, um, services into products and he then hacks the company and he literally um we luckily stopped him in time but we lot you know we the business distraction of dealing with the police and everything you know our revenue for three months was was really down and and it nearly and you know going to court all that stuff he was prosecuted for hacking it was you know that that they, they were major things that had happened along the way as well but i had companies go bust on me you know there's so many things that can happen in real life business right Exactly, and so you, you, again, you've got a real smorgasbord of, of life lessons in there, and, and, and this is this is one of the challenges. Well, agencies this is the game I'm broadly in, and um, the sort of service business, of providing a service is, is notoriously, um, it's like herding cats, of course, because you've got a load of creative people plus you've got clients who don't behave as well, and and so you're you're dealing with this very sort of dynamic situation upon dynamic situation upon dynamic situation. So you've got an industry itself, which is always is fluid and, and dynamic. Then that's in the internet, which is fluid and dynamic. And then you're in a business life, an entrepreneurial life, which itself is business is fluid and dynamic. And then, so you've got these things happening. And so, so how would you, um, so you're kind of coping with these like gaps in cash flow hacking situations uh, yeah right. i was getting i was getting bigger deposits from clients up front to try really? and fund it you know and the problem with taking the money up front is there's no there's no money at the end you know and so it was really high risk i was almost over trading um you know at points so were you like because this, this feels like a bit of a high wire act like I mean, again, I, it's, it's, you pulled it off. Like because the story was you, you sold the business and it was a, you yeah. joined a global group. Uh, this is what happened next, kind of thing. But at that time, when you're you're, you're navigating or tippy toeing across this high wire, and your non-execs going, "Yeah, no, keep going, keep going," and you're like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> you're like kind of worried about the next gust of wind that's going to blow you off. What's what's in your mind at that point? Well, how are you feeling? Because again, like now looking back, it worked out. But what was it at the time going on? I mean, I know you're massive into your running now, but back then, you know, I, I think if I if I hadn't been like a runner like I was, I think I would have gone insane. I think, you know, it, I, I think it was very tough. You know, I remember, I think every single person in my company cried at one point, especially me. Um, <laughs> people don't talk about that stuff. I'm happy to say it. We had a culture, it was okay to cry because normally it meant we'd hit a point and we just had to, you know, go and take a moment and, you know, try and reset ourselves and try and, um, and sometimes it's a state change, you, you know, you break through barriers through that, but, you know, as we're talking, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, some of the other situations, by the way. So, you know, on, on that note, we, we'd won um, Tottenham Hotspur Football Club and we'd also won Subaru Rally Team, both at the same time. So both these big projects came in and it was very hard to try and get, so we, there was at the time I'd read about this thing called the 24 hour club where uh, Steve Jobs at Apple in the early days, they had t-shirts, they worked 24 hours. We had 48 hour clubs. And this is like, you know, I'm talking drug free, Red Bull induced, 48 hour working. Now I never asked anyone, by the way, to work that lately, but the team culture, we knew we had to live these projects and we were working insane hours and we were all taken to breaking points, all of us. I mean, I don't think anyone would ever consider doing that today, but um, but it was it was tough. I'm not, you know, it was tough. And I think the running kept me sane. I think the, the, that was really important. I was probably fortunate enough to have good resilience 
from being, you know, from, from my youth in particular, working quite hard at a very young age, made working hard when I was older a little bit easier, I guess. Um, not that I'm, you know, endorsing that, but yeah, it was, you know, there, there was, there, there were lots of moments where I wanted to throw the towel in. And I think what I would say, this is very important as well. The last four businesses, not the last exact four, but four of the last few businesses that I've sold, that I've uh, that some of the clients I work with, they get to a certain size, they want to become a something part of something bigger. Every one of those businesses within one to two years before they sold successfully was could have gone out of business or could have had a major problem. Yeah. Right. So don't think when you see someone who sold the business successfully, you think that they had a great journey. Cause I'm telling you, cause I work behind the scenes, you know, I see the amount of people that would have fire sold their business. If I hadn't stopped them, that would have quit if they had stopped them. And I think the ninth set helps me stop making those emotional decisions to throw the towel in and to quit and to give me the confidence to stay the course. Yeah, I think that was probably the thing that helped me. And because he'd seen all these problems before, it helped me, it helped in a way, it gave me, you know, he had empathy for me because he had, you know, relevant experience, I guess. Am I answering your question, Dan? You are, yeah. And what's interesting here is it's like, well, just do, I'm going to sort of pause a moment because what's interesting in all of this, and I've had this, by the way, so I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from some experience, burnout, and um, call it mental health, and just that sort of the, the, the sort of you describing a scenario which is intense, right? Again, we don't have to judge it; we just it is an intense experience for you and for others. And you're um, coping with your own um, mind, right? And it's perhaps as a creative person bouncing around and imagining futures and catastrophizing, perhaps. So, so what were the, the the skills that you you personally learn? Yeah, because you can again. You get you like you say they have this wiggly line basically going on, and an X. So you sell the business, and everyone assumes it's a straight line. But what what were the, the sort of skills that you learned apart from the running thing? But to sort of be able to navigate that, the first thing was uh, lack of self awareness, which I didn't have at first. I, I'd like to think I've worked tried to harden that in you know as I've got older, and not realizing that how hard I was working and. My non-exec one day came in and he said to me, how stressed are you on a scale of one to 10? And I said, nine. And he hmm. said, that's not good. And he said, you need a holiday. And I said, yeah, but I have, you know, if I take a holiday, then I'm going to be more stressed because the business, is it going to be working? And he taught me a little trick, which I, I embraced. And he said, what I want you to do, and we, by the way, I still do this to this very day. So uh, back in September, the example this year, I book all of my holidays out now one year in advance. Mm. And what I do is I, I space them out equally. I personally, I look for five week months because I like to make sure that the business hasn't got like in February, if you're out for two weeks, then you're out for half the month. Right. And that puts more stress on you, but you know, July is a five week month and so is May. And so, so is August. And so, so I book my holidays again and I try and put in long weekends between the holidays so i try and pace myself through the year maybe it's a running thing this you know learning your training routine so mm. but i always plan my holidays a year in advance because the reality is if you don't do that when you're in the year it's always hard there's always a reason not to take a holiday or not to take a break now it doesn't mean that i always go abroad on those holidays sometimes i don't i take time off but i now actually have and i did then as well i had two phones Okay. So the one phone was my work phone. And what I would do when I went on holiday was I would hand the phone, the work phone over to one of my colleagues. And I would say, here's my phone. I'm going to take my burner phone and my burner phone only had my family on it. And it would have one person in the business in case it burnt down or something. Could, but I would say, I don't want you to call me unless someone's dead, you know, or, and uh, and it was, it was interesting because BlackBerry were a client. So I had to have a BlackBerry for work. And then I had an iPhone personally. <laughs> so um, so I'd give the phone across. And, and that was a really good way for me to plan the holidays and then ensure that I got a proper break. And that definitely helped towards my mental health. Now, the self-awareness thing is really important as well, because I, I, I last year in February, you know, we had the third lockdown. So even though I have all those holidays, I started to notice that I was, wasn't, something wasn't right. I was noticing that I was getting really tired really quickly. And I started to be really aware something was, and I think 
you know, sometimes people just don't tune in to their own feelings. And, and I think doing an emotional intelligence test is my big thing right now, like getting business owners to do EQ tests and to be aware of not only their, um, self, not only their uh, emotional intelligence, their empathy and sympathy, but also their own self-awareness. And if you're low on that, work on ways to check in with yourself. So, you know, so even last year I had to cut back my schedule a bit and just make sure that I wasn't, you know, because I'm an entrepreneur, right? We, you know, sometimes it's very easy for us to work 24-7. We dream about business, right? We wake up and we're eating lunch and thinking about business. So so the self-awareness, has, I think, stopped me. You know, I've been fortunate enough to not cross the line, but it has been, you know, and there's been another big tip, which is the end-of-day routine, which I had in my business the first time. So at the end of every day, you know, the old, you remember when you, you were younger, Dan, you, you're young anyway, younger than me, but when you, you used to um, get out of your suit at the end of the day and you'd get into your casual clothes. And I think also in this new world order, making sure that you have an end of day routine where you, you, you have a hard stop, you know. And again, I now pick up my personal phone and that I don't look at my work phone in the evening until the morning and I don't until I finish my exercise in the morning because that way I won't look at my phone, panic about work and give up that run, you know. Yeah, I, I, just at that particular point, not looking at your phone until you've done your sort of thing in the morning. I, 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 I only recently, by the way, got myself a, a weekend phone, personal phone, and it's a revelation because all those associations of like the Slack icon and all the associations with that and the email, the work email and all the associations with that, even if you don't look at it, it's there, sat there nagging at you, but, the, but not looking at your phone. And don't put social media on your on your weekend phone. No social media, no Instagram, no Facebook. No one uses Facebook anymore anyway. Uh, sometimes, so Jake, Eddie, you know, just no social media. Literally, just keep it for podcast, music, television, media, entertainment shout. only. Yeah, that's a good shout. Actually, I, I, I'm, um, yeah, I like that. That's a good chat. And so this tuning into your feelings thing, I think that's really interesting. Funnily enough, the, 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 uh, I've just had a, I've done a podcast uh, last week with a woman who, who through a kind of mindfulness body scan, uh, became aware of uh, a pain or a feeling in her shoulder um, or in her body that turned into a, a cancer scare. And, uh, but she wasn't aware of that because she wasn't in connected with her, call it embodied the body, the feelings, because she's busy and she's an entrepreneur and she's doing work. But this is such an interesting point. I think you raised that awareness of you as a totality and then the people around you and then the organization. And, and that's a practice that's quite difficult to do when you're, like you say, entrepreneurial, fast-moving, creative, and always on. I think it's slowing that down and being present and in the moment is a, is a, becomes a superpower. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, when you're younger, you, you, know, you think happiness is a destination, right? You think bliss is a destination, but it's not. It's in the moment that you're in, enjoying right now, you know, and it took me 46 years to learn that one. Most of us, you know, don't realize that. So, you know, what you say is right. Um, but business can be fast moving. It can, you know, force you sometimes to go, you know, and, you know, there, there's lots going on. I mean, you know, my own business right now is is scaling up again and the communications are suddenly increased. And I've been working at quite a nice place for a few years you know, busy pace, but a nice pace. And now it's starting to get out, you know, fast out of control again. And, and it's trying to understand what, what can I do as a business owner to, to do that. And it's not enough owners delegate away. You know, I, I wrote an article this on LinkedIn, you know, low value task where they try and hold on to too much. So, you know, if you are right, if you are going to try and pace yourself, make sure you delegate away low value tasks and, and don't do things like your own email, your own, you know, get other people to take away the admin, the finances, the things that you're doing yourselves, because you're probably more valuable as a business owner than, than, than doing the 20, 25 pound an hour roles that, you, you know, that you're doing sometimes too much of. Yeah, 100%. I've been very guilty of that over the years. I'm going to switch gears a little bit. So so I'm, I'm going to, because we're edging towards the end of our sort of time. But so, so Spencer had this business that grew super rapidly and he exited it and then started uh, Cactus a few years after that, which works with other agencies to help him grow. Now, I'm going to sort of, again, gear shift even quicker. So in the book, there's a, a, there's a lot of talk uh, about a wide range of, uh, of tips and, and insights about how to run an agency business, and it's very comprehensive. The bit I really tuned into, because this is the bit that we were struggling with last year, was kind of lead generation and what have you uh, to do with finding new business. But the bit within that I'm really interested in, and I wanted to talk to you about, is this uh, networking piece, but your 50-person your rule. 
specifically? Because I think this is a really neat crystallization of something. And yeah. I would like, just, just, so can you share with me, what is the 50-person rule? Well, it, it, and, it, and just to caveat a little bit, um, I read a book on KPIs. It was like the size of, you know, three Bibles stacked together. And, and uh, it said in there, told a story um, about back in the 70s of British Airways. I think it was Lord King. I, it was one of the, the, uh, the old chief execs. And he has said, British Airways, we're only going to have one KPI. And, and I, and it, because if our planes take off on time, our whole business just works. Now, in my business, I had stacks of KPIs for measuring everything. And it was probably spent more time measuring the KPIs than we did running the business sometimes. And so I thought, I like that. What's the one KPI that would make a difference in my business? And I figured that it was new business because if I didn't have, well, it was lead generation. If I didn't have a lead, I didn't have a sale. I didn't have a sale. I didn't have uh, a team any work, any case studies. I had no profit. I had no agency, right? So for me, that was the route, like the planes taking off on time. For me, it was all of, in my situation. It was, it was the rep, it was the sales and the revenue and, and the leads that caused that. So, so I set a KPI to myself, which was to, to meet 50 new people each month. I'd realized when I'd analyzed my pipeline that a lot of my business was coming from either referrals or network contacts or strategic alliances and partnerships or from clients recommending other clients. And so therefore I was, you know, if I could meet people more, more frequently, maybe I could build up and, and hopefully tap into more opportunities. So I did a little bit of research. It turned it, it started at 25 people a month, I had a poster on my wall and um, I met 25 people the first month and my sales were good. And then by the time I got to 50, I was winning 200,000 pounds a month of new business. And I want to put that in correlation because today I've got a client who has three shareholders. They do 180 what we now call meaningful conversations. So in my day, it was new contacts. I'm now, when I work with clients, I think there's as much value in previous people that you know. They did one, uh, during the pandemic, they did 118 meaningful conversations. These are Zoom calls and these people are all introverts. So they're not extroverted. And they generated 1.8 million pounds worth, or my numbers here, 1.6 million pounds worth of leads and closed 800,000 pounds worth of business within eight weeks. And, and then last month, they're a, they're a five, six million pound business now. They, uh, they, their sales pipeline was low. And what's their go-to marketing activity? The same thing. They go there and I'll promise you I'll go to the next month's board meeting. Their pipeline will be right back up again. So, so, so when you mentioned earlier on about reciprocity, I think the key thing here is every day for the past 20 years, I have done between one and three calls with people, people I know, people I not, don't know. And, and every time I try, and people I just help, right? People that need help and they reach out. So <clears throat> I think it's really important, you know, to set yourself a, an activity scorecard or something in business as a, as a leader. Harvard Business Review <clears throat> recently released some information that said that when the CEO of an organization is not involved in sales, in those businesses, the bit over a five-year period, the business shrunk. And where the CEOs are involved with new business, it grew from a range of like 2% to whatever it was, 20%. That doesn't mean meddling. It just means that they're involved with it. And so I didn't run new business in my agency, but what I did help with was lead generation. I, you know, I, I could inspire. I could, I'm, I'm what we call a practitioner. I, I was an expert on digital. I could make people excited about technology. And then I could hand that lead over to my new business team to, to win. So, so, so I'm a really big fan. I've seen people criticize me and say, oh, I'm not going to go and meet 50 new people a month. You know what? I think you have to, because some people look at it as a chore, but I enjoy it. I love meeting people and talking to people. And I've got to say, I think in the last two years, the introverted agency owners that I work with, they are the best at it. They build the best connections and friendships. It's, it's not as, you know, you don't have to go out to those horrible networking events anymore or the exciting ones where you do wrestling. You get to, you know, just connect with people and share stories and see if you can help each other. And maybe business will come from it. Maybe it won't. Too many people are focused on having meaningful conversations with people they're going to sell to. I don't really buy into that. My philosophy is you have to meet the wrong people to meet the right people in life. And I think that um, it's very important that you keep the balance of building your network around you know, people in business. Obviously, the more relevant they are. Yes, the more opportunity may come, but life is a numbers game, isn't it? Really, at the end of the day, if you speak to 50 people, three people probably will actually need what you do in the next couple of months. And one of those people will probably buy it from you. And so the key thing is, is how do you build momentum? 
you know, because if you keep doing 50 a month over a year, you've met 600 people and those 600 people have probably introduced you to another two or 3000 people all of a sudden or talked about you, you know, it, it, it does start to escalate. And I know on your previous guests, you know, I've, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts, it talks about the importance of network and, you know, being nice to everyone as you grow your business on the way up. It's, you know, it's important because when you go back down, you need those people, some of the times those people around you. Yeah. So. Yeah, very much. And often it's, it's strange how random, like my, I bumped into you in a bar in Austin. Do you know what I mean? Doing something that was our, our lives intertwined at some point. And then we, we, there's a relationship there that, that, that's lasted. You know what I mean? We, there's a kind of common, even if we can't, like I said, it all came from the midst of time. And, and there you go. And people have asked for me for tech agencies. And I've thought of you as a result of that. You yeah. know, this a couple of times it didn't come off, but, you know, you putting yourself out there did that, it rose the awareness. And so I yeah. think combine the networking and the awareness, it's, it's very powerful. I think that's great. And there's a great sort of takeaway there. I think. For me, it's like oftentimes the people, I, 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 you know, sometimes you have something in the diary with someone you don't really know and you think, oh, I'm busy. I don't know if I should meet them. Often I find that they're the ones that are the most useful when you, because you can't, you don't, can't predict where the next opportunity or the next breakthrough will come from. So I, I think there's something I, I want, I need to get better at this, by the way, and I want to get better at this. So I will pr- get my uh, target on the wall and report back on my scorecard to you. Take the Spencer challenge, you know, um, you know, try to meet 50, you know, new people and, and, and meaningful com- people, existing people. Take it a month for six months and then call me up and tell me what happens, because I promise you something magical would have happened. Well, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take the Spencer challenge and I'm going to uh, I will report back in six months and I will tell you what happened. And I think I will recommend everybody else listening today <laughs> to the Spencer challenge, improve your life. Yeah. And um, everything will be-, will be great. It didn't work. And I think the most important thing to remember to, to always remind everyone is, when you speak to someone, they probably know what you do. So it's more about you finding out how you can help them first. And it's not, you know, I'm just saying authentically. And and actually, in reality, always, and, and I know you referenced my referral training course earlier on when we chatted, but, but um, you know, if you always, and, you know, always say to people, if you ever meet anyone that needs A, B, and C, think of me. Mm. Because I think too many people um, sell to the people they're speaking to. And, you know, it's like, so just say to someone, if you ever know anyone that has a problem, with, you know, with technical development, then think of us. Uh, if I can't help them, I'll find somebody else who can. And, and that line really grew my business. If you ever meet anyone who needs a sports website, then that's what we do. Just here's my card. Think of us. And and then those people, you know, maybe it's an NLP thing. I don't know. Like they, they then think, oh. Oh, I need you. I've got sports business. Or they'll go, actually, I know someone who probably could need you. And I, I think I was on a walk the other day and I said to this agency owner, what do you do? And after 35 minutes, I still didn't have a bloody clue what he did. Well, <laughs> well and, and there, you know, there's a whole other sort of podcast in that subject. Well, I, 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 we're going to sort of get to the end of our time. We need to wrap it up. But that there's so much rich information in there. And seriously, that last bit about tarative communication, that's the whole thing. But, but um, where should people find you? Where's best to send them? Uh, I have um, a website on spencergallagher.com. I'm also on uh, a company website, cact.us, and LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. I am on Instagram too, but um, I'm mainly on I'm mainly on I'm mainly on LinkedIn. So fair enough. Well, I shall um, we'll put all those links in our show notes, etc. And please, I would highly recommend everyone to do follow those up because, particularly if you've got an agency, but also anyone in the service business who's who's interested in particularly growth and, and some of these pieces of advice around network and meeting people and putting yourself out there. It's just universal principles, in my humble opinion, and are really healthy. So a great advice. Thank you. It's funny. I, I just, listen, my pleasure. And I, I just, one last thing to say on that, I just mm-hmm. if I can, is that um, I'm a massive fan of Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey. I don't know if you know about it. Very much, yeah. yeah. In our lives, we, you know, and just go on YouTube, everybody, YouTube and listen to it and relate it to your life. And what you will find is that we all have these um, these dragons that we need to slay. You know, the metaphor of our lives is we have these challenges. And one of those challenges is, you know, overcoming something like meeting more people or speaking or what being on panel, whatever it is. And, you know, for me, it's probably one of the biggest hurdles in a business quiz is look at what the hurdle is and find a way to slay that dragon and move through. Because, you know, when you look back on your life, 
you know, you'll appreciate it. The, you know, the comfort zone lives beyond, you know, the, the, the difficult parts in your life. So, yeah, yeah 100%. I love Joseph Campbell's stuff. I've got the, I've got the, the hero with a thousand faces on my shelf yeah. here. I've got that. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Google it, look into it. It's a really great frame because, by the way, this is not a story uh, about slaying the dragon. This is the pattern for every Bodon's life in terms of the narrative. Yeah, I can map my life to the hero's journey yeah. pretty much to the, to, to the, to the map. I mean, it is spooky and I would ask everyone to go and do the same because it's, and, and, it's really, and what's interesting is, and what's empowering about this, by the way, and I found this. So when I was going through my going bust bit, I used that, un, not, not that insight of that, that mythic story pattern to help me because I knew I was going through the, the, the underworld. The, the, I've got to fight the dragons and, and, and yeah. win and, I'm a, and I could die, but I've got to fight. And, and so the point being is this, um, you talked about awareness here and self-awareness, but an awareness of the larger pattern of life that's really helpful as a tool to get you through the difficult periods and to encourage you. So yeah, hundred percent really. So yeah, having a belief system, whether it's a, you know, Steve Jobs said it, didn't he? He said in his famous 2015 talk, you know, he said, you know, you've got to believe in, he called it the whatever you've got to believe in the whatever. I don't know whether it's, you know, it's a God, it's spirituality, it's science, it's, you know, mathematical coincidences, whatever, but you have to believe in something. And that, belief system it does really help you keep sane and, and i think you know i'm i'm open to all that stuff anything that's going to keep me sane on my journey exactly that the hero's journey well well what an absolute smashing conversation thank you so much spencer and um, well everyone check him out he's a legend uh great book please buy it and uh, and two kinds no listen it's just all true so listen, i'll see you soon buddy all the best thank you again do you want to get the top five tip bits from each episode email to your inbox every Friday? Yes, you do. It saves you having to go through and make notes and make a note of all the books and all the ideas that are in the podcast. We go through, we choose the top five we like, plus put all the links into that email. So if you just go up to honeyibluupthebusiness.com, yes, that's honeyibluupthebusiness.com, and just enter your email address. There's a little box. Just enter it in, and we will send you that information. And it saves you having to make notes and all that. That's uh, make your life a bit easier. And, of course, if you did enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing. We are trying to help people through this. So the more people that subscribe, review, rate on Apple, Google, Podcasts, Spotify, the more people will see it and the more we can help. So help us help other people, other entrepreneurs like you. And before I go, I've got to say big up to my company, the tech department, the company we blew up and put back together again. They're generously supporting me on this mission through the podcast. So if you guys want to have a look at a company that can really help you improve your technology, make it better so your business gets better to boosting your sales and your profit and a bit more sanity in your life, a little less stress, then head up to the techdept.com, the tech department. Uh, my company, uh, give us a look. On behalf of all of us here, thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.